Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, Get Happy. And I, of course, am Coach Heather. Some of you may know or remember me from TikTok as Coach Heather 904. And in this podcast, we like to talk about trauma, recovery, um, addiction, and some other things that may be umbrella under those things. And um, last week, I talked about uh, 30 things that I learned in 30 years, because I've celebrated my 30th birthday. So you guys will have to go check out that episode. And um, with me tonight is my co-host, Cassie. And tonight, we are going to talk about um, the case of Anton Black. Um, I stumbled across this case um, a couple weeks ago when I was watching Dateline, and this story just really, like, gut-wrenched me. Um, It really bothered me, and I really felt like I have a platform to use my voice to share what happened to Anton, and I want to do that because I hope in, by sharing this, um, It will make people aware of the struggles that minorities go through in this country, and I hope that uh, less tragedies will happen like this. Um, I know I'm just one person, but, or, you know, me and Cassie were just two people, but, you know, one match can make an explosion, so... Um, I'll go ahead and start telling you guys about Anton Black. So he was a 17-year-old Black boy who lived in a place called Greensboro, Maryland. And one afternoon, he was seen by two driving bystanders, and he was having an altercation with a younger boy who was 12. The younger boy was one of his lifelong friends, and they grew up in the same neighborhood, and this was a a very small town. Greensboro has less than 3,000 people in it, so you could imagine that if they grew up together and there's less than 3,000 people, I mean, they probably knew each other very, very well, and you know how boys roughhouse. So um, I don't know if it was like kind of something like that, but when this was happening, um, Uh, The 12-year-old boy also told the bystanders that Anton was either schizophrenic or bipolar. He was mentally ill, and he was having this altercation with the boy, and to please call the police. So they called the police. Well, Anton, um, whenever uh, the police had got there, he decided to run away. And the reason that he ran away is because um, the deputy who had been the deputy sheriff of Greensboro for 15 years, his name was Jeff Jackson, uh, he had known Anton his entire life, and um, he would, like, that was a normal thing for him to do, to run away and go home. However, excuse me for just a moment, I need to clear my throat. throat) Excuse me. So anyways, um, Jeff uh, Greensboro got a new mayor and the new mayor's name was what was his uh, I wrote it in here um I'll find it in just a second I'm sorry about that I can't remember the new mayor's name I had it written down here but they got a new mayor and he felt that Jeff Jackson the deputy sheriff was um like too soft on the community so he thought that he would hire a more aggressive police officer who would be more proactive and Jeff Jackson the 
police officer who was let go, he said that the mayor told him on two separate occasions that he wanted people to be scared to drive through Greensboro. So what does this mayor do? He hires a, a police officer named Thomas Webster. And I'm going to tell you some things about Thomas Webster. Um, he had um, another offense in Delaware where he kicked a black man in the face and broke his jaw. And the black man who he kicked in the face, he was on his hands and knees. So there was no reason for him to have been kicked in the face or kicked at all for that matter. Um, and when, <coughs> excuse me, when he was asked why did he kick that man in the face, he said that he thought, uh, the black man was reaching for a weapon, but I just told you the man was on his hands and knees. How is he going to reach for a weapon like that? So you really going to kick him in the face? And it took that video two years to go out to the public, which he was finally acquitted for that. And he got to take his pension, $230,000. And then that's when he moved to Maryland. And the mayor um, of Greensboro saw this video of Thomas Webster kicking this black man in the face as he was on his hands and knees on the ground and he still chose to hire this man and there was also 32 other accounts where he was highly aggressive 25 out of the 32 were black males and the mayor of Greensboro withheld this information from the public but the public was aware of the situation that happened in Delaware so the public signed a petition or had a petition signed to have this officer removed and the mayor still did not remove this police officer from his services in this town. So I wanted to explain all of that so you could kind of understand um, that what happened this day with Anton. So when Anton saw Thomas Webster, I, I, I'm going to assume that, well, first of all, he was mentally ill, but second of all, he was used to Jeff Jackson letting him run home. Now, this trained police officer should know that if, and he was informed that um, Anton Black was either bipolar or schizophrenic, if he knows that he has a mental illness, then the police officer should know to de-escalate the situation, not to re-escalate the situation. Because if somebody is mentally ill, you're just going, and you just keep escalating the situation, like, that doesn't make any sense. So he chases Anton home. And Anton was hiding inside of his family car. Instead of knocking on the window, like most police officers would do, he bashes the, the window in, breaks the glass, um, tries to tase Anton. He was unsuccessful. Then Anton, like, jumps out of the car door and onto his front porch. And Thomas Webster, the assistant police officer, and another bystander who was on a motorcycle, which I will add, he had a Confederate flag on the back of his motorcycle helmet, just adding that in there, and all three of them held Anton down, and Anton literally begged for his life and said, I love you to his mother, and even after his body went limp, they still did not get off of him, and then after he wasn't moving anymore, they were like, oh, let's take him to the hospital, and, um, then they tried to resuscitate him, which they were unsuccessful. Um, and then, you know, that's when his parents realized that he had passed away. And of course, the police officers tried to make it um, 
like very difficult for the family to uh, get released the um, body cam from Thomas Webster. They said that um, it, it was so hard to get that information. It shouldn't be that difficult. Now, here's the interesting part. Well, the whole thing is interesting, but here's where it really gets interesting. The medical examiner who did his autopsy, um, guess who else he did an autopsy for, Cassie? Who? George Floyd. Huh. And hmm. guess what he determined George Floyd's death as? I think, wasn't it a cardiac event from the stress of the altercation? There was like an underlying heart issue or something? That's what he said about Anton. Um, and he may have said that about um, George as well, but he um, may, he labeled it as undetermined. And then he hmm. put, um, I can't remember what he put. It was something different but with the lesser value with Anton. So just think about that for a second. The same, and, and it, it, he wasn't even like the same medic, like George Floyd and Anton Black were in two different states. So why is the same medical examiner doing the same, or, or excuse me, let me say that again. Why is the same medical examiner doing this autopsy on these two men on these same situations but happened in two completely different states that's a little fishy to me so then they had another medical examiner examine Anton's body and he was um, a black man and he said that it was homicide he ruled Anton's death as homicide he said that he died as from the struggle not from a, a heart arrhythmia or, what, or whatever they said it I mean there are a lot of black bodies that are killed and then it's ruled as in undetermined indeterminable or as suicide so yeah it was they were all listed as something like that and then I also remembered maybe don't quote me on this that George Floyd had COVID before he died so I remember people saying that he some uh, like the hospital labeled that he died from COVID did you remember hearing that I do not. And I'm actually looking it up as we speak. Um, it's for, it's returning uh, searches of he had a, it was asymptomatic and I'm getting ready to get into it right now. Oh, I can't wait. So, yeah, I wanted to shed light or we wanted to shed light on Anton's case because, I mean, obviously there was a huge in, injustice done by the criminal uh, of the criminal justice system and also for people with mental illness because again no matter of what his skin color is if you if you're a police officer and you know someone has a mental illness that that really is you you know you you don't escalate the situation like everybody knows that you watch it on tv it's on law and order you know that has been a recurring theme recently of the response is always more than it should be. There are, when so, like you said, when someone's in a mental health crisis, it shouldn't be the police responding because they're, they are trained to respond to dangerous situations. And so they're thinking like, my life is in danger. Whereas a mental health crisis team would know, hey, this kid is going through something. Let's go through these steps to de-escalate the situation. You can't pin someone down who's in the middle of a psychotic break. It makes things worse. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah it does. Well, what about for this town, though? This town was really small. They only had three deputies in the whole town, so they probably don't have access to 
a mental health crisis type of team there. So you would hope that the whoever is available to help when there is a crisis, like they're taught some kind of de-escalating. I know I was taught that as a kindergarten teacher. So I would just imagine that police officers or maybe EMTs, because um, I know, or, or maybe um, firefighters, like hopefully they, they get taught that because otherwise this is just, this is just people just purely taking out their hate and rage on a poor 17 mm-hmm. year old black kid which very well may be the case it, well, it probably I mean, is the case the police is an extension of the slave patrol that's literally how the police were founded is that they were back then it was founded to stop runaway slaves so a lot of and there's all these weird requirements for being a cop like you can't have any higher than this gpa and you have to you basically have to be dumb easily um moldable as it were and it's not hard to be a cop it it's not if if you're doing your job right you're not arresting people you're providing resources to your community and you are keeping your community safe you should be in what did they say upholding the law not enforcing it and unfortunately a lot of these fields because a lot of us walk around with trauma that we haven't we either haven't addressed don't know is there or we refuse to face so people and you can see this across every single profession that purports to help people people move with their biases and so it doesn't but you could be a cop but if you don't like black people it's not gonna be a good experience for anyone because you go out automatically feeding into stereotypes just like I thought he was reaching for his gun well how is he reaching for his gun with if his hands are on the ground you know, and typically they'll say, oh, I saw a gun or shots fired. And that gives them the probable cause that they need to be racist. It's and- the same thing like how we treat um, people um, uh, like from Afghanistan. I don't know about where you live, but people are like real racist towards them here, too. You know, mm-hmm. they- I was in California after 9-11. So, yeah, it was not great. And they don't take the time to distinguish between the different types of East Indian folks. So like, I remember a lot of Sikh Indians were targeted in the, where they meant to target Muslims. Sikh and Muslim is not the same thing. The Sikhs are the ones with the blue eyes and they have a very specific type of turban. They are nonviolent, they are peaceful, they are pacifist, but they were the ones that were targets of anti-Muslim violence. And so, and one thing I will say that and I hate that this has to happen this way, but out of a lot of these cases where black children are unjustly killed, beautiful laws are made out of it. Like with Emmett, Emmett Till was a catalyst. He was a martyr. You know, the 14 year old black boy that was dragged out of his home back in the fifties. And actually had, I actually hadn't heard that story. If you want to share it. Yeah, so Emmett Till was a 14-year-old Black boy who went to visit his family in, I want to say it was Georgia, and he was accused of catcalling a white woman. And so the, and the, the woman is still alive, and she lied. So she, so she was still alive, and they were, argue, you so said they were arguing be- with each other? No, he was accused of catcalling her. Oh yeah, and catcalling her. And there's there's a bunch of different variations of what is said to have happened. Um, 
but in any of them, she lied. And she went home and she told, she was like 18 years old. She went home and she told her husband what happened. They went and dragged him out of his home in the middle of the night, beat him up, castrated him and threw him in the river. And so then his body was found and it was, they tried to cover it up and his mother forced an open casket for the funeral. And she, she said the famous phrase, no, let them see what they did to my baby. He was 14 years old. Carolyn Bryant is still alive to this day, living out her life. She actually recently, um, they just found her. She was in hiding all this time. Somebody leaked her memoir where she painted herself as a victim and they found, I think like last month or the month before, they found an old warrant in the bottom of the rubble of the courthouse that was for her, her husband and her brother. And now there's this debate of, should we serve the warrant? Yes, serve the warrant. Well, but she's old and she's, she, she's changed. She's lived her life under the shadow of this. He didn't live his life. He yeah. was murdered. And so yeah. they're like, well, she has cancer. And he didn't even get a chance to get cancer. He didn't get a chance to get old enough to have any type of ailments because he died when he was 14. And so, but from his death, a lot of civil rights stuff spawned. And so jumping back over to Anton, actually on August 8th, Maryland settled a federal lawsuit that requires three towns to enact systemic changes within the police departments to prevent deaths of this, this nature. And it's called the Maryland Police Accountability Act. And it was passed in response in 2021. And Anton's law requires more visibility of police disciplinary records so that the public can see what kind of police officers that they're dealing with. And that goes back to Thomas Webster, who had all of those accounts from all over the place that just nobody looked at, everybody overlooked. And since uh, since all of this, he has since left the force and he has now had his uh, law enforcement certification revoked. Um, there was a portion of the lawsuit that alleged cover up, which that happens all of the time. Like we just found out with Breonna Taylor, the girl that was shot in her bed in the middle of the night. It turns out that they wanted her house because it was in the middle of a gentrification project. And after her death, the city or the mayor, somebody bought her house for a dollar. What? And they tried to say that she was a drug addict and her boyfriend was a drug dealer and this and this. And that. They, they slandered that. And she was a good girl. She had the sweetest face. Like she just seemed like such a good person. And so a lot of these are covered up. They actually just found somebody hanging on fire recently. Like in the last couple of weeks, a black person hanging lit on fire. They ruled it a suicide. How does one light themselves on fire while hanging? I just want to know. I, I have yeah. questions. I have uh, questions. Yeah, I have so many questions too. So um, as far as the the Maryland Police Accountability Act, it requires, there's three different keys to it. There's better resources and training for officers responding to mental health crises, which that does not Good. exist a lot across the country because mental health is very taboo. And then depending on which community you're in, it's even more taboo because we tend to, look at it I mean at least in my family my my black grandfather would say black folks ain't got time to be depressed we ain't got time for mental illness we it's it's a moral failing it's a demon it's a spirit pray it away be a better person you can't pray it away so it's it's fostering understanding they're they're expecting officers to have the skills now to go out and deal with someone who's in the middle of a psychotic break 
Um, they're also looking for training on implicit bias and de-escalation tactics that has never before been offered. Like you've never had implicit bias training. What? What? That doesn't yeah. make, <laughs> you would think that dealing, policing a community, you would understand that there are multiple types of people in the community. So you have to unpack that shit before you go out and just enforce your will based on the stereotypes under which you've been raised. So, and then the third piece of it is providing more transparency in the hiring process and reports of public complaints. Like they want the complaints to be public so that you can't just sweep it under the blue line and everybody's happy. And um, during the lawsuit, the defendants, which were Webster, former Greensboro Police Chief Michael Petio, Ridgely Police Chief Gary Manos, and Centerville Police Chief Dennis Lannon, they tried to have the lawsuit thrown out. And the district judge, Catherine Blake, she said that the footage did not disprove police brutality. And a quote from her is, it is impossible to tell how much weight and what body parts, if any, Webster placed on black throughout the nearly six minutes of footage, nor can a viewer discern if or for how long Webster placed his knees on black's neck, shoulders, or upper torso. She wrote that in her ruling. And she said that definitely his mental state should have been a factor. And unfortunately, black humans do not get the luxury of being a human. Like if you look at the white children that commit mass shootings, they call an 18 year old a child, right? Whereas a 12 year old black kid is called a 12 year old man. They use the word man, young man, man. They deny them of their, their, their innocence because of all of the stigmas and stereotypes that date all the way back to slavery. There is a huge disparity in the way that black people are treated when they're dealing with the police versus white people. For example, I'm lighter skinned. My sister is phenotypically black. We could drive in the same neighborhood in the same car at the same time of day, both wearing a hoodie and sunglasses. We may both get pulled over. I'm, I'm going to get let go. I don't, that's part of my privilege being half white and being light skinned. I don't have to deal with that type of stuff. Whereas my sister has been pulled over because they were trying to tell her she stole her own car. Wow. That happens all the time. It happens all the time. Where, and then another example is if say an eight-year-old black child and an eight-year-old white child are in school displaying the exact same behaviors, the white child is going to get a diagnosis of ADHD. They're going to get an IEP. They're going to get treatment. They're going to get medication. The black child is going to get labeled as a problem and they're going to be diagnosed with either oppositional defiant disorder or conduct disorder and put on antipsychotics. So that's, it's, yeah, that's really, I, I can't, I, I used to teach kindergarten and I can't speak to that too much just because the demographics of where I live were predominantly white. Um, but I think that's really sad to know that that happens. Um, that really breaks my heart. I def I believe what you say 100%. And um, I, that's, it, it, it's scary because it kind of puts black and brown kids, especially if, uh, if they're autistic or have some kind of other mental disorder, like they have a target on their back. Mm -hmm. And one another, because in the black community, there's a mass healing around neurodivergence right now. And we are starting to unpack the way in which we're treated. And whereas a white child 
is going, they have the humanity to, for their mental illness to be considered. Whereas the black child is just an angry, bad black child, if that makes sense. Yeah. They're they're always black. They're just always black. No matter what their other intersectional identities are, they're black first. Whereas white children get piecemealed in their identity and they, they consider each piece. Look how they treat mass shooters. Look how they treated Kyle Rittenhouse. Look how they treated the guy that went into tops and murdered black people, specifically skipped over the white guy, told him sorry, live streamed the shit on Twitch, and then had the N-word with the hard ER and here's your reparations etched on his gun. He walked out of there. Look at Anton Black. He was roughhousing. Uh, I actually hadn't heard of the case uh, that you said prior to that, but... That was just a couple months ago. Yeah, he shot I'm... ten black people, ten or twelve black people in a grocery store. He cased the place for oh, weeks. Oh, I didn't know what his name was. Okay, I did hear about that. So, but do you see the the disparity between like if if a black person committed a shooting like that, he would have been dead. There is no yeah. coming back from that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. There would definitely have been a huge. I I imagine a big angry mob like the one that went to the White House. You are not wrong. So what you're saying is, is black and brown kids, especially if they have mental disorders, have um, possibly, no, I wouldn't say possibly, they do, have a target on their back. What can we do do you think as a nation to help them? I think that there needs to be a better understanding of what mental illness is. And I think that the conversations that we're having as a community, especially within the black community on TikTok, we need to keep having those conversations and we need to be educating people because a lot of people have really screwed up ideas of what mental illness is and so decolonization work is is really the only way that we can go because we have to be able to fathom an experience that is beyond the end of our own nose. We and that's that's the issue is that nobody can fathom things that they haven't been through and there's a lot of people with the one-sided thinking of well it hasn't happened to me so it doesn't happen or I mean if it was me I would have done it this way. It's it's all fine and good to say those things but we still have black and brown bodies dying. So everybody has to unpack everything that they have within them to get to the root of why they feel that way. And some of it is epigenetic trauma. Like I, we, our bodies code for that stuff. You know what I mean? We're because we are in our grandmother's womb, our bot, like using the Irish potato famine as an example, the, the descendants of the famine have more body fat on them because their bodies were counting on starvation. And so if that happens and if post-traumatic slave syndrome is real, where we still, we run in a circle when we laugh because of laughing barrels, what does that mean for the white community? Y'all didn't get out of there scot-free. Well, I know I've seen videos posted like 
we know that this happened um, to black people with epigenetics and the trauma, like generational trauma, racial trauma and things of that nature. But, you know, like what happened to the white people, like the under the other end of it, you know, like the white supremacy. And like you said, you know, that's where we see our narcissistic disorders, like our mass shooters, people like Ted Bundy, who are just like, I just felt like it, like, like that's, yeah. that's, um, I don't know, like that. That's unfathomable to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the white race is the the people walking around now. You're either the descendants of somebody that participated in rape, in genocide, in murder, and and back then there were no laws, and so then that that rage and that anger, since it's now being stopped by laws that are in place that lives inside your body, which goes back to what we were talking about. Trauma lives in your body and you express it. It is being expressed as we're seeing society play out now. They're still systemically killing black and brown bodies. They just found a legal way to do it. Yeah, this book that I'm reading here, it's called Anatomy of the Spirit, which I've told you about. Um, I'll send it to you when I'm done reading it. She was saying how... Uh, populations can be sick by the masses and she used polio for example and she said that a lot of people said that they were completely crippled by the depression in the 30s and the 40s um and when they said crippled I, you know they meant like their their way of living and she said that that, that was a lot of politicians and and stockbrokers exact words i'm crippled by the great depression and then 10 years later the whole country as a whole suddenly is succumbed to this disease. Sorry, my dog. Um, they're suddenly succumbed to this disease that cripples people. And they, they can't help but she was saying like that's it, that she doesn't think that's a coincidence because of like the energy and the epigenetics, like the the traumas that we're passing on. And that, that one was just like a really good example I thought that she made. I and the now to tie that sick. back into now you you know we have the mental health crisis that we have now and other and or people young people like you and I who have um ulcerative colitis or dis, uh, um degenerative disc disease thank you thank you yes that's what I was gonna say mm-hmm. and honestly the population is sick and we are watching the effects of generations of untreated trauma that has been passed down and normalized and looks like culture. It looks a little differently between any marginalized group that you're in, but any group that has been affected by colonization and whitewashing, they don't believe that it, it, it's part of a system. And I learned this in The Body Never Lies by uh, Alice Miller. It's a part of a system that puts the onus on the victim to mm -hmm. absolve the the oppressor and assuage the guilt of the wrong that they know that they're doing. And so that's why like Western mental health is bullshit because in back in communal times, indigenous times, when everybody worked together, it was, we weren't treating people separately. We treat the mind, body, and soul as a whole. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Western medicine, we have separated it and each one of those things, I mean, don't even get me started on the disparity of how black women are treated in healthcare. Like the amount of times, like I just recently had an MRI tech 
after looking at my MRI results, say we don't give pain meds for simple back pain. And I'm like, simple back pain. I have a disease in my spinal cord. Are you serious right now? But if I was a white male, they would have given me drugs. The same as they offer white men anesthesia for genital procedures, whereas women go in and get hole punched in their cervix without anesthesia. And they just, it's going to be some pressure and a pinch. No, you just cut a piece of my cervix out. It hurts. No anesthesia, no pain meds. You'll be all right. You might bleed for the rest of the day, but you're good. So, you know, black that's women, terrible. and Man, we, we talked about this they gave me all kinds of meds. <laughs> that's because you're a white woman. I know. I'm sorry. They I'm gave laughing. me naproxen. They gave me naproxen for my back. They gave what me naproxen, which is a really strong ibuprofen. Oh, okay. Wow. It doesn't touch the pain. And they, they, they give lesser doses. And then if you ask for more or you say this isn't working, they assume automatically when you're black that you're just trying to get drugs. And so, I mean, we talked about how black women are four times more likely to die in childbirth because of the way that they're treated in the hospital. There is a disparity in the way that black humans are treated. And that just reminded me, I remember, I think it was in the 80s, the police started classifying like deaths of people on the streets that were black and brown as like non-person deaths, as in quote, they don't matter because they're not real people because they don't contribute to society. Wow, I didn't, um, I didn't, you said that that was written publicly? That's, it was just a common thing, non-person death. Find a hooker on the street, dead, nah, she, she don't matter. Uh, I'm not, I want to say that I'm surprised, but I'm not from uh, the er, the area that I grew up and the comments that I heard other kids making about black people growing up. I'm not surprised, like the town that I'm, I'm from is very racist and they would just, it just always made me feel bad um like just disgusted because I just never understood why they want to make fun of black people I just I just didn't get it I'm just like what the who the fuck cares they're just black who cares because because it is passed down and normalized like I just saw the other day I was looking for something on like Facebook or Craigslist and I saw an estate sale where they had like mammy jars from like the 1800s like there was literal racist propaganda toys and stuff and I'm like wow that's up the street for me awesome wow and it's it is you know what I remember watching those cartoons when I was a kid do you remember watching those mm -hmm. and I'm disgusted I'm like I can't believe I watched that well I mean animation I actually was I read something or saw something recently that was talking about how most of the animation back in the day it started by trying to emulate blackface that's why the characters look the way that they do I remember that. I remember watching Looney Tunes and I'll never forget. And I think Bugs Bunny pushed this black, this black guy out of the airplane and he had like the weird paint on his face. The big lips and the, yeah, the big lips yeah. and, and the white, didn't they like put white on his face or something? Probably big white cheeks, maybe. Yeah, maybe big white cheeks. And then they made the second half of his body a donkey and he held up a sign that said stupid ass. And I remember thinking at six years old, I can't believe they put this on TV. (laughs) But do you see how it's being normalized? Like I've gone back through and I've watched movies from my childhood and I am actually just like 
Grease was one of my favorite movies until I watched it recently. And I counted like, I don't know, 25 instances of sexual assault, like just open harassment and assault, like the girl Patty Simcox, how they pull your dress up at the prom. You know what I mean? So all of that stuff, like, and think about all of the fat shaming that goes on in movies and like all of the misogyny and the, it is, it's, it's on purpose. It's by design. And that feeds into the stereotypes because we're seeing it played out on TV. And so it just becomes a thing. It's like a form of desensitization. And so by painting black people as expendable and disposable, it makes you feel less bad because you've removed their humanity. And now it's just an N word that's not doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, and then the white people are like, even the ones who say they aren't racist, they're like, well, at least I'm not, well, maybe they don't say at least I'm not black, but they were just be like, well, I'm just happy that I'm white because I get all They don't want to be treated like, oh, but have you seen the uh, Jade Elliott did a, she is my, that's my ride or die. She's the white woman who has explained whiteness and she did the blue and brown eye experiment. And she was, she asked a question in an auditorium full of white people. She's like, raise your hand if you want to be treated like a black person. Why is no one's hand up? That implies that you know that something's wrong with the way that minorities are treated. We know it, but we just don't want it to be us. Yeah, because before I had like my spiritual awakening, um, I, I will say that I would, th- I thought that a lot of times and I thought I wasn't racist and I was like, well, at least I'm not black because I know how black people are treated, but I would just be like, well, what am I supposed to do about it? I don't know what I can do about it. And then also I was where I was raised, they would say, oh, well, that was in the past. And before I did my own research, I also thought that, but now I've done my own research and I realized all these things are still very present. It's not in the past. The yeah. reason, that's yeah. why they use black and white photos. Yeah, it's, I mean, some of it's in the past, but some of it's also still today. And the past keep, gonna be keeps in repeating the itself. Yeah, the yeah, past yeah. keeps repeating itself. Yeah, the past hasn't stopped. And, and yeah, that was my thing. I'm like, okay, like, if it really was like 500 years ago, and, and, that, and it, that, that's when it stopped. I don't know. Maybe we can revisit that, but that's not the case. And I keep trying to tell people that, but you know, other white people, but they just don't, they don't want to hear it. Like that's why the that, that to- makes me so upset as like my, uh, to my other white friends, like they don't, they don't want to hear it at all. They do not want to hear it. And I'm like, why don't you want to hear it? And I'm like, why? Like- because of the ideology that comes from back then, if idea bad, and I believe idea, then I'm bad too. And yep. it, because a lot of people don't have the wherewithal to look within and unpack their own shit, they can't handle when someone holds a mirror up to their ego and tells them that they may be causing harm. That's why when white women come into people's comments on TikTok, they, they darvo the hell out of everyone. They deny, attack, and then they reverse the victim and offender. Like mm-hmm. I just had a woman the other day um, get into my comments and she's saying all this crazy she came to me and started saying crazy stuff and then was like you're being rude you're being mean and you you include I'm like I didn't include you who left the comment you know and so you you insert yourself center yourself in a situation and then you can't take the smoke that comes with it and that mm-hmm. is the collective issue with the white population because they don't they do not want to undo it because undoing it 
would have to admit all of the wrong. Yeah, Karen can't handle can't handle the truth. Not at all. Well, Cassie, um, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking about this. Um, I, I've, you always educate me a lot. Um, I'm really happy to learn that some good things came. Uh, well, um, I don't even know if, if if saying good things came out of Anton's death, but I'm glad that those laws were passed. And I'm glad that we were able to hold space here for him tonight and talk about uh, his situation and the tragedy that happened with his life that um, should not have been the outcome. But here we are discussing it. And I, Cassie and I hope by sharing our voice that we give other people who have been silenced a voice and that they know that they're not alone. And also, I'm very happy to let everybody know that we are going to begin a book study on the book called The Body Keeps the Score. So I will uh, keep you guys updated with the details of that. The the um, the We are going to pause the podcast for probably about two weeks so that we can make sure that we're delivering the best podcast of it, uh, possible to you. And we're going to make sure that it aligns with um, our book study. The Body Keeps the Score is a book in healing of trauma. So I encourage my listeners to either purchase, you can purchase that book if you want off of Amazon for $11, or you can download it for free off of Z Library. And I think I can actually put that in the show notes. Um, I think Cassie can give me the link for that. Yes. Yep. So I'll link The Body Keeps the Score uh, free. Like I said, it's a free link from Z Library. I'll put that in the notes and if anybody wants to follow along with us with the book study or of course with the podcast you can um, send us a message on tiktok as coach heather 904 or you can comment um, if you're on spotify you can leave us a, a comment or some feedback but i really appreciate all of our listeners and um where we're going with this i'm excited for the community that cassie and i are building um, i'm really i wake up every morning and um, i'm just uh, feel fulfilled with my days so um, I appreciate everyone and your time and I hope everyone has a good night thank you for thank you it's been great yeah it's been great yeah of course always Cassie and I'll talk to you tomorrow all right all right good night peace everyone